Hey there, everybody. You're listening to The Raven's Grove. I'm your host, Dahi, and today we're going to be continuing the Fact Dump series. So to start off, did you know that the iconic Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, is actually named after a brand of deodorant? Yeah, see, apparently Kurt Cobain's ex-girlfriend broke up with him before he wrote that song, and she spray-painted the words, Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, on their bedroom wall as a message to him. Apparently, this was actually meant as a, as a dig at Cobain due to Teen Spirit at the time being a cheap teenage girl's deodorant. Thing is, Cobain didn't actually know this and thought it just sounded cool as a song title. And, well, Smells Like Teen Spirit went on to become Nirvana's most famous and successful song. So, fact number two. Now, many of you listeners out there may be aware of Seaglass's Millennium series of books, with the first one being The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Now, personally, while these books are very dark... They're also some of my favorite books because of how well written they are. And Lisbeth Salander, the, fav- the main character, is hands down one of my favorite all-time fictional characters. Now, well, what many fans of the books may not, who aren't from Scandinavia, may not realize is Lisbeth Salander is actually Larson's version of the famous Swedish kids character Pippi Longstrup, better known to the English-speaking world as Pippi Longstocking. See, first created in 1945 by Swedish author Astrid Lindgren. Pippi Longstocking was a young red-headed girl who is superhumanly strong and has many crazy adventures with her pet horse and monkey and her two best fr- human friends, Tommy and Anika. Larson apparently took the basic blueprint of Pippi Longstocking, such as the red hair, the unconventional nature, the desire to do the right thing but by her own rules, and used them as a basis for Lisbeth Salander. The, uh, even the hair color is the same, though I will admit, having a very goth punk style, Elizabeth dyes her natural red hair black and often has a mohawk. Now, fact number three. The terms a shot of alcohol and to spike a drink both are said to have originated in the Old West in America. See, the shot of alcohol comes from the fact that an average pistol cartridge at the time cost 12 cents, which was the same as a small glass of the house whiskey at most saloons and bars. So imagine this scenario. You've been out on the range driving cattle to market. You're hot, you're tired, and more importantly, you're thirsty. You walk into a saloon to get a drink, but you don't have any money on you. So what do you use to pay for your drink? You use one of the cartridges from your six-shooter. As for this term, to spike a drink, well, back in the Old West, the various whiskey distilleries engaged in near-constant commercial warfare and espionage against each other. Apparently, one of their favorite tricks to play on each other was to send an operative to a rival's distillery undercover as a new worker. The operative would wait until no one was looking, and then they put an iron railroad spike into the barrels of whiskey prior to its aging process. See, ethanol, the active ingredient in alcohol, reacts very badly when it comes into contact with iron. It turns it into this horrible black sludge that renders it not just liquid, but also the container itself unusable. In whiskey making, the barrels are often reused in the aging process, but by doing this, the saboteurs would force the distillery to have to throw out not just the bar- the whiskey, but entire barrels at a time, thus costing them a lot of money. Over time, this term just came to mean putting something in a drink that's not meant to be there, but that's where it all started. Incidentally, the character of Spike in Buffy is named after Railroad Spikes. If you know Buffy, I recommend it. It's a great show. Now, time for fact number four. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, folks, and guess that most of you have seen Steven Spielberg's classic film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I won't insult you by giving you a synopsis to the film, but one fact you may not know about it is that the famous scene where Indy shoots the swordsman in the marketplace 
is actually a fluke. See, the original plan for that scene was there'd be this epic sword fight between Indy and the swordsman. Well, lots of fancy choreography involved, but the problem was that during the filming in Tunisia, which is where they filmed the, um, the scenes for Egypt and also where they filmed the climax of the film with the Ark of the Covenant, the vast majority of the film's cast and crew had food poisoning or even outright cholera. Apparently, the only member of the cast and crew who didn't was Steven Spielberg because he ate only Kansas spaghetti they got shipped over from the UK. And apparently, when it came time to shoot the sword fight, it was one of the last days in Tunisia, and Harrison Ford was so ill that when Steven Spielberg called action, Harrison Ford just pulled out his gun and shot the swordsman. Not in real life, obviously. The guy was fine afterwards. What with everyone being incredibly sick and just wanting to be done with Tunisia, Spielberg just called it a wrap and left it there. And one of the most iconic scenes in the entire Indiana Jones series was born. In fact, I'd have to say that that scene, as a fan of the series, I'd have to say that, that scene did more for my understanding of who Indy is as a character than if it was a whole big knockout sword fight. Now for fact number five. During the filming of the long-running TV show MASH, Alan Alda, the actor who played the main character of Captain Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce, had it written into his contract in this show that at least once in every single episode, the show had to include a scene depicting surgery taking place that was to be completely serious without any comedy in that scene whatsoever. This actually paid off because MASH became an incredible success and a cultural icon and also inspired a lot of people to get into medicine because they saw how realistically MASH actually portrayed it for the time. Now, granted, MASH was portraying the Korean War, and it was filmed in the 1970s, so they were using antiquated technology by our Monsenders, but it still had a very big cultural impact. Fact number six. Now, this one may surprise you, but did you know that prior to January 2nd, 2013, under Russian law, any drink by under 10% alcohol in volume was considered a soft drink? That's right, folks. Beer was considered a soft drink. You could literally buy a six-pack of beer at petrol stations and drink it on the way to work, for crying out loud. The law was changed in, on January 2nd, 2013, due to a study that showed that the average at Russian was consuming 16 liters of pure ethanol in alcohol every year. To put that in perspective, if an average bottle of vodka has about an alcohol per volume of 40%, then the average Russian was drinking the equivalent of 53 and a third bottles of vodka a year Per person. That is an insane amount of alcohol. Now granted, one of the reasons that vodka and other alcohol is so popular in Eastern and Northern Europe is because because of the high alcohol content, it doesn't freeze. But still, the amount of damage that would be doing to your body, I mean, that's just incredible. Fact number seven. Halloween is actually based on the pagan holiday of Samhain, which celebrates the end of autumn and the start of winter. As a pagan myself, I can tell you that it's basically pagan New Year, and according to tradition, it's a night when the boundaries between our world and the other world are at the thinnest. This means in the Southern Hemisphere, where we celebrate Halloween in October, Halloween's actually in the wrong time of year. If people really want to be accurate about it, the Halloween decorations should be up in late April. That being said, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, Halloween is still silent, because all the dates for pagan holidays in the Southern Hemisphere are flipped because of the difference in the seasons. Now, finally, we come to fact number eight. Did you know that the rock band Van Halen has it written into their contract for any gig they play that there must be a bowl of M&Ms in their dressing room with the brown ones removed? Now, this may seem like yet another frivolous rock star demand, but actually there's a very good reason for it. 
the list of demands the band made in their contracts is, was deliberately made very complicated, like so incredibly complicated and long that was described by Van Halen frontman David Lee Roth as, in his words, not mine, a Chinese yellow pages. The band deliberately placed that demand for the M&Ms with the brown ones removed in the middle of the list. They did this because at the time in the 1980s, Van Halen were on the cutting edge of using some very new, very powerful, but also very heavy stage lights in their stage shows. And they placed the brand M&M's demand directly after the demand about the proper setup for the light fixtures. That way, if they walked into their dressing room, they could tell at a glance if the listed demands had been followed to the letter or had just been skim read. If they saw any brand M&M's, the entire stage show would need an extremely thorough safety check. And for our last fact today, folks, we have got a fact about coffee. Now, I'll admit, I'm a bit of a coffee addict. I love this stuff, and I know quite a few people who do. But did you know that coffee was so important under Turkish culture in the Ottoman Empire that under 15th century law, a woman had the freedom to divorce her husband if he didn't provide her with enough coffee? Now, if you look at culture throughout the world with divorce law, Vikings and Spartans... And Celts all had very good relationships towards divorce. But I've never heard of someone divorcing someone else because they didn't have enough coffee. I'm not saying that that didn't happen, and I'm not saying it's not a good reason. What I'm saying is I've just never encountered it before. Anyway, that's all we have time for today, folks. So thanks for listening to The Ravens Grove. I've been Daigie. You've been awesome. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. See you around.